Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. Habs Unfiltered is featured on The Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio. This podcast brings you honest and in-depth hockey discussion and entertainment. Our hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudvay, are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to episode 151 of Habs Unfiltered. I am your host, Blaine Putvay. I'm joined by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Morning. Matt Smith. Good morning. And our special guest, newly reunited with the Hockey News, Lyle Richardson, a.k.a. Spectres Hockey. Good morning, everybody. It's great to have you back on the show again, Lyle. We uh, we appreciate you taking some time out of your very busy morning to spend it with uh, us three. Uh, how do I say this nicely? losers i would have gone with miscreants miscreants yes yes <laughs> hoodlums losers is harsh you guys don't strike me as losers you strike me as more of a miscreant crowd which means you're my people there you go <laughs> we're, we're not quite as salty yet but we'll get there <laughs> which is hard to believe coming from some sailors there you are. <laughs> we're trying mm-hmm. so Big weekend. We're recording this. It's Saturday morning, uh, May 29th. The Montreal Canadiens are going to be hosting the Toronto Maple Leafs for game six in the first round. And there's going to be fans in the stands. So, um, Lyle, why don't you give us a little bit of uh, your thoughts of what you're hoping to see tonight? <laughs> okay. Well, uh, let me, let me, let me take off my, uh, my unbiased journalist hat and put on my uh, Habs hat. Uh, well, right off the bat, I think uh, even though there's only going to be 2,500 fans in the building, um, I think they're going to be very noisy. And I think that's going to, it, uh, it should give the Habs a lift. You know, it, 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 it really should. It's going to be the first time in, in 14 months that they've got uh, actual fans cheering for them. And they're coming off, obviously, a very big win in game five. Um, you know, it was, it was definitely a roller coaster. I mean, you know, they jump out to a three, nothing lead. Everything looks, looks great. Leafs battle back, catch a couple of breaks. And then, uh, we get, uh, you know, Alex Galchenyuk doing, uh, doing his former team a solid with a blind pass at the, the blue line. 
and setting up the uh, the Caulfield Suzuki goal. So uh, yeah, um, it's obviously, of course, it, it's a must win. You know, game six, do or die. Um, I expect they'll come out with the same amount of energy we saw in game five, which I have to say, by the way, that was the best game in this series I've seen them play. And that includes game one because game one and both sides were, were a bit off their stride after the Tavares injury that really shook up both teams. So, um, you know, that wasn't really either team's best game, but, uh, this one was definitely their best and they're going to need to come up with that uh, same kind of energy, but they also need to be prepared because the Leafs came out flat. They really did. I think the Leafs came out thinking that they had game five in the bag and they very quickly found out, no, the Habs weren't going to roll over for them. So I think they better be prepared that the Leafs are going to be coming out uh, far more motivated this time around. I agree. Uh, Treg, you had a comment? Uh, yeah, I thought uh, it was the Canadians' best game. However, I thought – I didn't think they played a full 60 minutes. They got the lead, and then, and then they kind of sat back and protected the lead, which never works. Uh especially against a high power team like the Leafs. Um, my, my biggest thing, I think uh, Montreal is going to come out uh, tonight uh, with the fans. They're going to go out like they did in game five. Uh, but I think the Leafs are going to try to match them. I, I think Lyles, you're, you're right. I think, I don't think the Leafs are, the Leafs are going to want to get this over with and get it over with tonight. Uh, it, I, th- I feel it's going to be a good back and forth game and uh, it's, it's probably going to come down to the wire. Uh, I did predict the Leafs in six, so I'm not going to be shocked if, uh, if if the Leafs win. But I also won't be shocked if the Habs pull off a win and push the game seven. Um, they have a bit of the mem- mem- momentum going for them right now. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun and interesting hockey game to watch. And now that I've said that, it's probably going to end up like the first game boring and uh, and uh, trapped. But, anyway, that's that's uh, that's my thoughts. Now we saw in the uh, in the last game in Game Five, the young guns for the Canadians were the ones that stepped up, that led the way. Guys like Kotkaniemi, Suzuki, Caulfield, they uh, they were essentially the leaders in pushing the pace and leading the team. Do do you see the uh, Dom Ducharme finally letting Romanov join that group? Because as Gustafson played okay but it's clear Romanov offers much more to the to his game than Gustav ever does so Lyle what do you what do you think Hmm. I think we're not going to see Romanov at all um I think Ducharme is going to come back with the the same pretty much the same lineup that we saw in game five because hey that chemistry works well you know you keep it together um, and I can understand that to a degree. Um, you know, it's a possibility we could see Jake Evans back. That was that was floated as a possibility. I don't know who he replaces, but if it's Kakanyemi, I think everybody in Ham's Nation will have a fit. Um, but I got to say, guys, I'm wondering how much of these roster decisions are being made by Ducharme and how much influence Mark Bergevin is having. Now, I know we have all, to our various degrees, over the past several years, when the have while the Habs have been rebuilding, we have for the most part supported uh, Bergevin's uh, moves. We believe, and justifiably, he's won more trades than he's lost. Uh, he's done a terrific job stockpiling young talent, stockpiling draft picks to use as trade chips, and that sort of thing. But I really feel there's a whiff of desperation coming out of the front office here now, and I think it's sort of like, okay, 
we've acquired these guys at the trade deadline or before the trade deadline. I, you know, even though he didn't give up a lot to get Eric Stahl, to get Eric Gustafson, to get John Merrill, there really is a feeling here that the decisions here on the roster are being made from up high. And maybe I'm wrong. I, I'm even though I, I write for a living, cover for a living, even even the scribes in Montreal who are closest to this don't know what's going on. But that's kind of like the speculation that, you know, Bergevin is pushing these guys into the lineup because I acquired them. We've got to get in here. We're going with the veterans. And that's that. That's that's the feeling. If we're wrong, I'm wrong, and I have no problem admitting it, but that's the feeling that I have because keeping Romanoff out of the lineup makes no sense to me. I understand he's young. I understand he's a rookie. So is Cole Caulfield. Look what he's done. He's gotten better in every damn game he's been in in this series since he came in. Look at Kakanyemi, not a rookie, third-year guy. Look at the impact he's had since he started playing in this series. So, I mean, no offense to John Merrill, but I'm not seeing anything from him that suggests that he's any better than Romanov. As you said, Gustafson played okay. He wasn't terrible, but he wasn't outstanding. He barely noticed him. When the Canadians need offense, when they need someone to move that puck out of their zone quickly, when they need somebody who can actually lay on a hit without taking a dumb penalty in the process, they're benching that guy. They're benching Romanov. Romanov is a superb first-pass defenseman. You need that breakout pass, he's got it. He's got that capability. We've seen it. So why he's being bent? The only thing I can figure is either unless he's nursing an injury and they don't want to reveal it in case they want to put him in the lineup, or has there been some disciplinary measure going on we're not aware of, or is it just they don't have any confidence in him, in which case that's terrible, and that's a reflection on the coaching and not on Romanov. Yes, he's a kid. Yes, he's a rookie. This is his first season in the NHL, but he hasn't played terribly this year. If you're afraid of him making a mistake, well, take a look at some of the veterans in your lineup. They've been making mistakes up plenty in this series. So anyway, sorry for babbling, but that's the that's the bone that sticks in my craw on this whole thing right now. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I speak for most of us. Based on that, based on that, uh, that usage, win or lose, do you think Ducharme has earned his job for next season? No, no, I don't. I have seen nothing from him. And I, listen, I'm not saying that that's a, a reflection of him as a coach overall, you know, but as a head coach, I've seen nothing from him this year that suggests that. That that being said, you could say, well, it's because of the pandemic, the condensed schedule, then they, you know, he's trying to get used to, to trying to come up with a system and it's hard to do, you know, in a compressed schedule. And then they had the, uh, the, the week and a half where they had to be sidelined because of the COVID thing. And then that compressed their schedule more. And yes, I get that. But you know what? There are 31 other teams in this freaking league who are 30 teams that face the same issues. Some of them worse than others. And some of them were able to cope. Some of them were able to adjust either because they had the roster depth to do it or they had the coaching to do it. So no, I don't think he's earned it, but I will say this. And I said this earlier this week, I could be wrong, but it would not surprise me to see Jeff Molson. If the, if the Habs get eliminated tonight, 
or get eliminated in game seven, or if they actually make it to the next round and get their ass kicked in that one. It would not surprise me to see Jeff Molson sit there doing the end of season press conference saying that he's bringing back Bergevin. They're bringing back Ducharme because of all the reasons I just cited. It was a COVID. It was the shortened schedule. We had injuries. We don't think that he had enough time, blah, blah, blah. But no, I've seen nothing to suggest that he should have that job next year. Matt? So let's touch a little bit on the Romanov thing before, uh, before I jump into Ducharme. Um, so my thoughts on that is, um, you know, you want to, you want to bring energy to the lineup. You want to bring um, that youth and that uh, exuberance to the lineup. And uh, what, what, what's going to bring that then, you know, 2,500 fans that are going to be, you know, uh, cheering on the team. And I think that uh, the team itself is going to have that energy, but, you know, you put that into a player that already comes with that sort of intensity um, I think it would be, uh, I think it'd be beneficial to him. I think it'd be beneficial to the lineup. And I do agree with you that uh, for the games that I've been able to see um, that Merrill and uh, Gustafson haven't really done much to, to wow me. And uh, when you look at Romanov and the fact that they signed him early last year to bring him into the bubble, just to be around the team. And now when it matters, they, you know, you're in a playoff position, you're in game six, you're, you know, you're fighting for your, uh, for your, for the rest of your season you've got this guy sitting on the bench or not even sitting on the bench, sitting on the, sitting in the stands. Um, and then when it comes to Ducharme, I completely agree with you as well, Lyle. Um, I don't find that um, Ducharme has done anything to really cement himself into this position. Um, I believe that uh, maybe the coaching search is already on in the background. It's really hard to say, um, you know, there's only so many Francophone coaches out there that you can choose from. And uh, which is, which is, which is, un- which is unfortunate because there are, um, English speaking coaches out there that I'm sure a lot of uh, a lot of fans would be able to get behind and they would rally behind, but we know the way this organization works. Um, and when it comes to the using the, the veterans over the rookies, I can see, uh, I can see the same thing. I, unfortunately, I don't think Romanov's going to be in and it's going to be uh, interesting to see what happens if Jake Evans is good to go. Um, I, I feel that he played really well in the first game. Um, we'll, we'll, and we'll see. We'll, I think he was one of their better players down the stretch. I think with Evans, if he is ready to go, I don't think Kotniemi is going to be the guy that they take out. I think it'll be uh, Tatar. He was supposed to be the one to sit the last time. And he did well in that one game after he was told, that, you know, he, he got five hits, got an assist, played pretty well. But then after that, disappeared again. Yeah. But that line as a whole, though, has really not done much. The only person no. that has a point on that whole, t- on that whole line, which, which we're, which we're, uh, we're used to seeing produce at, you know, at every level is Tatar. He's, he's got an assist. Other than that, there's not a single point on that whole line. The, uh, <clears throat> I know a guy who wrote an article about Tatar coming out of the lineup. I won't name any names with this guy. Um, <laughs> um, and I, I, the, the reason I pointed out about Tatar is Tatar is not a playoff performer. He has 11 points in 67 career playoff games. Uh, that's for a guy who scores 25 goals a year. That's just unacceptable. Uh, as I a matter just, of, yep. oh. I, I just wanted to say too. I mean, I get ripped over the coals a couple of times by saying that the Habs will probably cut ties with them because of his inconsistency. And I have people come back and say, "What do you mean inconsistent? Look at how many of these guys in the regular season." It's like, do you watch him in the playoffs? Yeah, yeah. that's and the that, inconsistency. This anyway, is this is this is very much this is very much. Uh, I'm not going to say a tryout, but this is very much a uh, you know look at me, I'm worth this much money. I'm worth this much uh, of your time. I'm worth this much to the team uh, for a lot of these players. And um, 
you know, the guys have to come out and they got to, they got to, they got to get out there and they've got to fly and they've got to, you know, support each other. I look at Armia and, you know, Armia's best game was arguably in the last game. But Armia is a he's every same. five games type He guy. is. That's very true. That's very true. And, and he, does he still outperforms. Season. And he yeah. still outperforms Sitar. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the regular season, he'll score three goals in a game. Then you won't see anything from him for five, six games. That's right. But to go back to what I was saying, Tatar, it's 11 points in 37 games, not 67. But he only has 68 shots. That's what I look at as more of a deterrent is that he's not even shooting in the play. It's not that he's not scoring, but yeah. he's only averaging less than 2.2 shots a game for a guy who's a 25 goal scorer. You should have three to five shots a game. In my opinion, you know, you're, you're the guy they're going to to shoot. And he showed it in the last game, he'd go to the net and then he'd turn around to try to find someone to pass to. He'd go to the yeah. net, then he turned it. And that's just not acceptable. I, I believe uh, with Romanov, however, Ducharme said in his presser that he didn't want to say into the pup, to the press why Romanov is the reasons for Romanov sitting. He rather talks to the players himself. I don't know if that's just him trying to protect his own ass, or I'm not. I mean, I we all know here I'm not a Ducharme fan, so. Uh, but uh, I'm suspecting. I've heard rumors. There's a little injury. He has a little injury, and they just don't want to put him in. I don't know if that's an excuse. I didn't hear that anywhere from the the, the team themselves. Uh, that's just internet uh talk uh but i see no reason injury or not if it's not that big of an injury because i've seen him practice he stays late he does his thing at least he's better than gustafson if you don't think he's better than merrill coming from a coaching perspective you can't say he's not better than gustafson because all gustafson has is one thing and that's offense that's it he didn't give any of that in the last game he didn't do anything in his defense, however, he did have the best power play opportunity that the Canadians had in the last game, which yeah, was a it, shot that was sailed high over the net, <laughs> which is more, which is more a shot against the the uh, the Habs power play than anything else. Can I just say, by the way, <laughs> those guys look on the power play; they look like they're handling a live grenade. Oh, it's like they, there's no control; they don't settle it down. They're not, you know, there's no clear shots through the passing lane. There's, you know, they, they can, they consistently fail to get good traffic in front of the net. And that's down to Alex Burroughs. Alex Burroughs was brought in to be the power play play guru. And instead the power play, which, which yeah, to to be fair, was, you know, was, was, wasn't that good uh, earlier in the season, but after they get rid of Kirk Muller and brought in, Burroughs, it's just gotten worse. They had that. They had had the initial. They had the initial spark. They had the initial spark when he came in. It looked like, oh, things are starting to turn around. But you, you, you completely hit it. Hit hit the nail on the head about the grenade reference. It's, it's one hundred percent true. Nobody, nobody wants it on their stick. Um, It's quick shots on net or up into the stands, whatever. You well, know, I just, know that I know there's usually a netting over top. They, I think they're shooting at the wrong one. So, <laughs> or, they're, or yeah. they're just passing it around the perimeter. Even when they yeah. get control in the zone, it's just yeah. I'll pass to you, it'll pass to you, it'll pass to you. Yeah. It's, it's just it's shoot at the, the puck. It's at the point that now they may as well decline to take the penalty or <laughs> yeah. or it's or brutal. haul off and hit somebody and take yeah. the extra two and play four on four. It, yeah. It's just brutal. I mean, I, it's so rare to see. I, I can't say I've never seen a power play that bad in all my years watching hockey on different teams. Yeah, I've seen teams go almost an entire playoff series without getting a power play goal. But this is absolutely brutal. And, you know, it, it's just not working. 
it's just at this point it's just be like just tell them okay boys just shoot treat it like it's overtime shoot from anywhere just shoot yeah. and to shea weber's defense i've i've seen people been, been criticizing him oh where's that big shot that big shot you guys gotta remember he's he's still hurt yes yep. i know that people are like oh yeah look at him he came back he's still hurting and yeah. brendan gallagher is still hurting. still hurting he is yeah. yeah yeah i mean these guys are yeah god bless them they, they're sucking it up and they're coming back but they may be 50 60 percent 70 percent of what yeah. what it should be especially when you have like a hand injury or a shoulder injury or whatever so i think when this is all over and done with uh we'll find we're gonna find out yeah i'm still hurting yeah i'm gonna need surgery and this so I don't fault them for injuries, but that system is garbage. And if Alex Burroughs is back next year as their power play coach, mm -hmm. it just it's not gonna be pretty. It's and this comes, real, and I'm I really it hoping. comes it comes down to the coaching because yeah. you know your guys are hurt. Yeah. Why are you deploying them in all situations? Yeah. Let them let them take a break. <laughs> put younger uh, put some of the younger guys out. Change up your power play look. If they're yeah. playing hurt anyway, yeah. how is it gonna hurt your power play? to yeah. put someone different on there. Yeah. And Never even what even when they changed it and put Caulfield in Weber's position, they didn't change the look of the power play at all. It looked exactly the same with just Caulfield instead of Weber. And that's easy to defend when you've already prepared for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cuz we talked about this the other in one of the other shows, basically they just say, "Oh, Caulfield's going to be the shooter. We'll just play up high on Caulfield and not let him shoot." Yeah. Yeah. And that was the entire power play. Yeah. And I mean, Leafs are not that, I mean, they're not bad at PK, yeah. but their PK wasn't. Yeah. It's the same thing. It it's the same thing as the Suzuki uh, where, where he, sl he, he slots in. Um, they know if it goes to him, he's going to walk in, he's going to shoot from that spot. Yeah. It's, it's the exact same thing. Like the, the, the Canadians have two, maybe three weapons and two of those options are exactly the same. It's just, they, 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 they as you said, they change out who's, who's in that spot. They, they either go to Caulfield, they go to Weber, or they go to Suzuki. That's really it. Other than if, that, throw in a surprise every now and then, maybe you'll get one in the net. And and if you're going to talk about injuries, all right, so say Romanov is injury, injured. Well, why are you playing Weber and Gallagher injured, but not playing Romanov when he's injured? This is yeah. a rookie. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that, my that, point. And, I, I said that earlier this week. You know, Somebody asked yeah. me, why aren't they playing him? And I said, he, he Romanov has committed the mortal sin of being a rookie. Yeah who occasionally and, made mistakes in the regular season. And Ducharme was supposed to get rid of that because that was a Julian thing. Julian, yeah. that was it. And Ducharme was supposed to come in and be like, all right, I'm going with the youth. And basically he's Julian 2.0. Yeah. And uh, like, I, I know lie, a lot of people say, I don't agree with the whole calls coming from Bergeron, except for that goaltender interference call. That oh, was actually Jesus, came that from Bergeron. Was, that was, that was but, uh, and the reason I say that is because when it comes to Romanov, Romanov last year Bergeron said, we're bringing him over here because we think he's playoff ready now. He can play on our team right now in the playoffs. We're going to burn a year of his e, e, uh, ELC to, to practice with the team and that because we feel if he was eligible to play, he'd be in. If he was making those calls, being the egomaniac everyone thinks Bergevin is, I think he'd be calling to have Romanov in the lineup. Personally, that's what I feel. He'd be calling to have Romanov in the lineup. Maybe he would, um, but but like again, he's still the same guy though too, Treg. Remember, he's still the same guy who brought in Eric Stahl, who's yep, been invisible, yep. who brought in Gustafson and Merrill, who haven't done much to move the needle. So No, I, I totally agree. I'm just I'm just saying like there's I don't think he's making the calls. I think Ducharme's making the calls 
to protect his team so he can get that get the job at the end of the year. I think Ducharme, I think Bergeron's putting the pressure on Ducharme, and Ducharme is like, well, maybe if I play the guys he brought in, he'll look at me as whatever, whatever. That's I mean, make the I would safe be call. Make the yes, safe he's call. He's going to put on the roster. He's but playing not to lose. Safe exactly. as that. Yeah. John Tortorella says that. And what does John? What would John Tortorella know? Him with his Stanley Cup and 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 two Jack Adams awards. And apart from a brief flaw in Vancouver, been successful everywhere he's been. Various degrees of success. What would he know? Yeah, it's too bad he's not French. I would love to have John Tortorella coach the Canadians. Tell you the truth. Imagine I Patrick would. Waugh as GM and John Tortorella as head coach. Just oh, Jesus. Just, no, too much for Pull it back. Pull it back. Just put an accent on his name and it'll be good, right? <laughs> call him, call Tortorella. Him Tortorella. Yeah, yeah. Hey, John Tortorella. Right? It'd be good to go, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, Patrick Waugh, no, not on this team in any way, shape, or form. I've seen, oh, I've seen people. For it. I've seen people suggest. I've seen people suggest that. Oh, no, he doesn't have to bring him in as, as GM. Bring him in as coach. Remember, he won the Jack Adams Award, too. And it's like, yeah, and then the following year, he got shit-canned. Why? Because he wanted to push, push, push for a championship now. And Joe Sackick said, took, took a look at the team that he had and said, no, there's still work to be done here. Yeah. And are, the proof you, is in the pudding. So. Are you like me and you think that Roy burying the hatchet with Tremblay is a way of rehabbing his image to try and get a job there? <laughs> no. Yes. Honestly, honest to God, no, I don't. I, I, it's like they said, it's been 25 years, right? And, the, and Patrick said himself in the interview, he said, look, we, we, we all were in the same circles. We, we have the same friends, you know, we're all, you know, like they said, it just, I think it just reached a point. And remember, it's like, it's like what, uh, you know, Mario pointed out as well. You know, they were roommates, during their during their playing days, we, you know, Patrick was a rookie. Mario, I believe that was his final season. I think um, before injuries, yeah. yeah. Uh, but they were roommates and they got along great, you know. But it was just that dynamic came in, and as we all know, we're not going to relive that horror again. But I honestly, I just, you know, there is such a thing that hey, time heals all wounds. It also wounds all heals, but it heals all wounds. Um, and I think that's what the case is with that, with, uh, with Tremblay and, and Wah. It, it, it's just time. It was just time. Well, that's he's awesome. so com- The Uber Eats commercial is hilarious. Yes. Yeah, it, it is. is. Good. It's it really is funny. Good. In it's French, really it's better. In that, French, it's I actually haven't better. seen the English version. Oh, I'm sure it is. I'm I haven't sure seen the English version. So well, the French one has the joke uh, that it's cut out of the English one for some reason, but I, I don't know why. Yeah, the, the score is 9-1, and he says, it's time to pull your goalie. And Edouard responds with, I think there's a couple championships left in him. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> see that? One? Yeah, because in the English version, they show the score. Patrick winks at him and Mario goes, hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's funny. Which is good French. too, but I would have liked, yeah, that that version, the, the, the French version would have been a lot better if you could have put that in for the English one. Yeah, Yeah, but with unfortunately with uh, showing it in English, they would have had to throw an Austin Matthews reference into it or something <laughs> yeah. to, actually have, to actually have it on the air, right? So... Uh, I know. What, what did you think of the call on the overtime goal? Okay, I <laughs> listen. I think. Look, I know Chris Cuthbert um, caught a lot of flack for that, but honestly, I also know Chris Cuthbert is a true professional. This is a hockey nut, an old hockey night in Canada alumni. When that puck went in, it came out like it came out so fast. Initially, it did look like it went off. It went off the uh, the goalpost. Cause it was in and out so fast on that angle that he saw it at. If you look at it in real time, yeah. 
yeah, at first, until you see, you know, Caulfield put his arms in the air, you know, you don't know at first that that went in, you know, so I don't fault him for that. But I, I you know, I saw people on social media going, huh, they can't even bring themselves to say Montreal scored. I'm like, okay, but this is Chris Cuthbert. If it was Jim Houston, no, I'm kidding. I kid yeah. Jim Houston, <laughs> I kid Jim Houston. But no, Chris, Chris Cuthbert, no, that was just an honest, an honest mistake. He got so part. flustered on that. After that, after yeah. that little miscue, after that, yeah. he couldn't recover from it. And yeah. it was just a stutter we, start. We, we made a joke about it on the show, but yeah. <laughs> I, I said, uh, I said it was a terrible call, but not because of he made it on purpose, but because you're absolutely Houston's right. Smart. When I first seen it, I was watching on the coach with my wife and I was like, was that in? Yeah. But I saw the reaction to Campbell. And when I seen Campbell kind of hang his head, I was like, oh yeah, that's in. And then saw the guys. Yeah, poor yeah. Campbell had to put his head down and be like, oh, I'm going to have to talk to the media and tell yeah. them everyone that's, that's but, my uh, fault. <laughs> if, well, if you listen to the TSN 690, even Dan Robertson pauses. Cause yeah. he, he, it's a, there's about a 15, about a five second pause before he says goal. And then he, then he does his thing. But uh yeah, I mean, he did get a lot of flack for that. And unlike you, I'm not a huge Chris Cuthbert fan. I still think Sportsnet is very Toronto biased, no matter who is in the announcing booth. <laughs> but uh, I think they have a script to read, and that's why I think it's uh, – I honestly do think they have a little bit of a – Matthews and McDavid, they have to cover 80% of the time because they are the new Canadian heroes. Yeah, but, but that's my opinion I... on it. I do agree with you on on that part. I mean, listen, I don't buy into a lot of the conspiracy theories and all this. Oh, it's the Toronto Sports Network is what they used to call it when TSN used to do their coverage of them. But yeah, with Sportsnet though, they're, they're doing what what uh, CBC used to do when they would broadcast whoever was playing Toronto back in the day. Uh, you know, whenever a, a team would score, they always would shoot for say. Uh, uh, Gilmore's reaction on the bench or Wendell Clark's reaction on the bench or Matt Sundin's reaction on the bench. Right. So they're kind of carrying over that, that, that tradition as well. That's a, that, but they're taking it though, a little too far. I mean, you know, <laughs> some of it was just so puzzling, you know, I, I, you know, it's like I said, yeah, you see the have score cut to a shot of Matthews. Why? Yeah. What? Why? What? What do you think he's gonna do? Sit down and 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 he's gonna go? Oh goody, they scored, <laughs> or he's gonna sit down and you're gonna catch him say a bad word or something? You know, we're gonna actually hear him mouth when that goes in. Is that what you think you're gonna see? I mean, what's the point? No, but come on. Yeah, Is that, he that's finally shave that mustache. Oh my God, that mustache is friggin'. That just makes him look greasy. That gives yeah. him a real Ron Jeremy look. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's Ron it Jeremy really uh, Jr. Those of us of a certain age. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and that gives him that Ron Jeremy vibe. That's just, it, I'm like, it really is that a look you want to go for? I mean, Especially being, a with porn, being a, looking like a looking like an old porn star is one thing. Looking like a porn star is also a rapist. That's even worse. With the nickname okay. Big Poppy. <laughs> no, just Poppy. <laughs> Oh, is it just Poppy? I thought it was Big Poppy. Daddy. His nickname is Daddy, for God's sakes, with Ooh. that mustache. Matthews. Matthews' nickname is Poppy. Oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's absolutely ridiculous. So it's better than Captain Underpants. That's what Jack Todd calls him for his whole. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jack Todd calls him a lot of things. Yeah. Jack Todd is 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 a, is a salty guy. Jack, 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 and I like Jack. Don't get me wrong. I, I I do. I don't agree with all his takes, but I do respect him. He's been in this business a long time. 
I've never uh, talked to Jack Todd and I'm blocked for some reason. So, <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I respect him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've never, I've never even talked to the man before. And I was he like, must have, he maybe misled, maybe he mistook you for somebody else. I don't I don't know. Know. We'll have to put him on the show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but Jack really, really doesn't like Austin Matthews or, or the coverage of, of, uh, yeah. The series whenever the you know the Leafs are playing so yeah and I can't say that he's fully wrong I don't subscribe to every theory about it but it, it there there is a an obvious bias that's there yeah now with uh, to get back to the game <clears throat> do you think that that 2,500 people that's going to be enough to give the Canadians that extra energy that jump to actually step their game up to where it needs to be to beat the Leafs I I would hope so um, you know, because again, this is going to be their first time of 14 months that they're going to be playing towards any amount of fans, you know, and I know that, yeah, I mean, and the Bell Center's huge. We've all been there. It's huge. And, and to, to be in there, even like when there's no fans in the stands, like when they're, you know, whether it's go for the, when they're prepping for the draft or, or before a game or whatever. Yeah. It's like this big mausoleum. You just feel like, wow, you know. A handful of fans what difference are they going to make but they're going to be loud they're going to be really loud and they're going to be you know because how many times have you ever heard you know uh you're a, a, a team's in an opposing team's arena and you know some some fans from from uh the the, of the opposing team are there in this home arena and they're making more noise than the home team you know florida yeah yeah there's no fans oh. for the home team in florida I, I, I can tell you, I can tell you stories from that. <laughs> for the, first, the first game uh, that I, that I went to see when I was, uh, when I was posted out in Esquimalt. This is in 89. Went over to Vancouver, the old, the old Pacific Coliseum. And it was a Leafs game. We were there. A bunch of us were there. And, you know, there was like maybe 200 of us got tickets. Cause we were all, we just pulled into port. We just, it was just like doing a couple of weeks of workups and we just pulled in for a couple of days in Vancouver and we got tickets, you know, 200 tickets. Hey, it was great. So we go and we're sitting up in the, in the North corner of the building, right? Watching the, the Leafs and, and the Canucks and not all of us are Leafs fans, but we all just decided this is the only time I ever done this, got into the go Leafs go and all of this. And one of my friends whose, whose father was Vancouver told him later and said, and said over the broadcaster saying, yes, and there's a small but very vocal contingent of Leafs fans in the building tonight. You can almost drowning out there. Because <laughs> the other with the Canucks fans at that time, they were so quiet. And we're just, go, Leaf, go. <laughs> just, <laughs> 200 so, drunken sailors can be loud? Yeah, no, the devil you say. <laughs> there, there was no beer going downrange at all that night. None. And no tequila we, uh, shooters afterwards. None. We did that at a Florida Panthers game with Pittsburgh versus Florida. And we had the uh, Toronto, the Athabascan and the Charlottetown all in Florida. And we all got free tickets to the games, like all the ships. We made up probably half of the crowd. And we were just, of course, cheering for Sidney Crosby and that. And I kept yelling out, uh, Brian McCabe was on defense for Florida. And they were on the power play. And I kept yelling out, McCabe's never going to (laughs) shoot. Quit passing it to him, he won't shoot. And this guy, this fan over there, kept looking over at me, going, Yep, yeah, he's right. <laughs> and he never did, he never shot once. <laughs> but to my point, yeah, I think having 2,500 people in there, they're going to be loud, they're going to be very supportive. And that could make a difference. It really could. Now, again, ultimately, you know, 
if Toronto comes storming out with two quick goals, that could suck some of the some of that energy out. But if Montreal comes out and plays that game that we saw same style in Game Five and and are prepared for Toronto to come at them hard, hey, if Montreal gets a, gets a takes, can you imagine Montreal takes a two goal lead in the first period if if the if the script repeats itself? Can you imagine what those that building's going to be like even with just twenty five hundred? So I think that could it could help give them a little bit of extra energy that maybe could put them over the top tonight. It, if they do find, uh, find some way to win tonight's game in oh. front of some fans in Montreal and force a game seven, um, I'm going to congratulate all the bar owners downtown in advance because mm-hmm. that city is going to explode. Yeah. Even under the COVID regulations that they're following now, yeah, there's going to be, there's going to be groups going everywhere just to celebrate. Yeah. And can I just say though, as well, um, very quickly here before we, before I have to, to talk out, but uh, you know, if Montreal can pull this off, if they can actually win this series, guys, that's as close as Stanley cup as we're going to get this year. That's our Stanley cup. If they could actually beat the Leafs, and extend the suffering of Leafs Nation for another year. If if the Leafs blow this one, I mean, uh, oh man, Steve Dangle's head's going to explode on national television because he's calling games now. He's you know, watch along with Steve. <laughs> I, I, I you know, I, I checked out the, uh, the the stream afterwards when the Habs got that overtime goal and just his reaction. Oh no! Oh no! Like you could just see it and just oh, and you could just feel it's like. Here come the ghosts of playoff failures past. So I think that would, um, yeah, that would be our Stanley Cup. Again, this is me wearing my Habs hat, taking off as an unbiased journalist. It would be like, well, now we get into what's Toronto going to do in the offseason. But as it happens, like if, if that actually does happen, how long do you continue to roll this lineup that hasn't performed in the playoffs or possibly haven't done anything in the playoffs and move one of these big pieces to, uh, to improve where you need it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. If, if Toronto actually blows this and I'm not expecting that they will, I think all of us are still expecting they're going to pull out a win here and we're all die. As diehard fans, we'll all be cheering for Montreal, but we're also reality based. We live in the reality based world. If Toronto actually blows this, there has to be a change somewhere. There has to be. Now, it doesn't mean that Austin Matthews gets traded. Doesn't mean Mitch Marner gets traded. Certainly doesn't mean William Nylander gets traded because he's been their best player in this series. I think he's silenced a lot of his critics. Mm-hmm. But somebody's got to go. There's going to have to be a change somewhere. Do you, do you bring in a different coach? Do you, do you get rid of Kyle Dubas in the front office? Uh, if you don't do that, who on the roster goes? Somebody. There has to be a change. And it's got to be more than just beating the number four seed Montreal Canadiens. They have to make it to the cup final. Yeah. If they don't make it that far, this team needs to, ch- that team needs to change. Now I'm kind of hoping that the Canadians do beat them. Like you said, because that would be schadenfreude to the nth degree. Yeah. But uh, if the Canadians somehow did win, um, I would expect that that would mean that um, Bergevin and Deschamps keep their jobs. Yeah, and I know there's a large contingent of Hab fans that are cheering against the team just for that reason. So, I personally I think, think it's just, it's just oh, yeah, 
I think Bergman keeps his job regardless. Myself, personally, I, I think yeah. Bergman's keeping his job regardless whether they win or not. Uh, Ducharme, on the other hand, I think Bouchard. Personally, I hope Joel Bouchard becomes the head coach next year, personally. Um, but uh, and when it comes to the Leafs, the Leafs' window is closing very shortly. Uh, Matthew's contract's up in three years, two years after this one, I believe. And uh, they have all their money invested in their top four players. They have no goaltender after next year. So unless they think Jack Campbell's the real deal, which I have my doubts, uh, then uh, they're, they're going to be hurt. And I don't think, I think this is, they need to do something this year or next year, or it's, they're done. They're back to rebuilding. Uh, they, they would have to do a deep playoff run here. I mean, they yeah. don't have to win the Stanley cup this year, but if they get to the, to at least reach the semifinals, then they can turn around and say, look, see, now we're making progress. Now yeah. we're getting there. Okay. And they would be justified to say that. If, if we, if, if I was a Leafs fan and, and, you know, that was what I was seeing from my team, then yes, absolutely. I'd be, okay, you got me. I'm all in with you now, but yeah, they get bounced this time again. Congratulations. You just became Washington Capitals 2010. Yeah. Washington, you know, you become the Washington Capitals up until 2018, basically, because the Capitals for decades, not just in the Ovechkin era, for decades, got hung with that label of choke artists because they could never get past the second round, you know, and that and for Toronto, who haven't won a playoff series in 17 years. I mean, if this streak continues, good God, you know, like something's got to change somewhere. And I'm so, hoping the thing that does change is that people stop pointing to the Leafs and saying, look how, look at how they built their team. That's how you do it. I'm mm. sorry, but until you win something, that is not how you do it. No. The Leafs were three points from not making the playoffs last year before COVID hit. Yeah. So it's not like the Leafs last year were this super juggernaut team. And I believe they're only a super juggernaut team this year because of the division. They played the same teams over and over again. And I believe the North was a weak division. I don't know if it was the weakest, but I don't think it was a very strong division. So I would like to see the Leafs in a regular playoffs or a regular season, just to see how good they really are. Well, listen, guys, I hate to, 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 to cut out on you so soon because I am enjoying the conversation, but uh, yeah, I do have a, a deadline to me, a couple of deadlines to me here in an hour. Yeah. So I'm going to have to, uh, to book up, but thanks for having me on. And uh Let's definitely do this again. Um, maybe we can do it. Uh, maybe if they if they win, they can do this, or maybe we could do a a, a postseason kind of. Uh, well, let's you know, let's see what they can do after that. So, well, Lyle, you're always welcome to come back whenever you can. Uh, we're we're proud to say that you're back with the hockey news, and I'm happy to be back with them. Yeah, it, it's it's but it's about time they came to their senses and brought you back on. <laughs> I appreciate that. Man. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. All right. Thanks a lot, Lyle. Take care. And that was Lyle Richardson of the uh, Hockey News, a.k.a. Spectres Hockey. Uh, You can find his work uh, at Spectres Hockey and now at the Hockey News as well. So, um, yeah, that was a good 40-minute conversation with Lyle. And for for our longtime listeners, you'll notice that Lyle is a regular contributor to Habs Unfiltered, and we appreciate every minute that he's given us over the years. So again, thank you for coming on the show, Lyle. Uh, we really appreciate that. And now between the three of us, let's, uh, 
What, what are we going to do? Who are we going to, who are we going to go after in this show? <laughs> For me, uh, I'm not going to say I'm going to go after anybody, but um, you oh, know, you're, go, you're going into game six, you're going into game six in Montreal. You're going to have fans in the stands. And for me, this is when your big, you know, this is when your, your, your names have to, uh, you know, they have to step up and I'm talking about guys like to know Gallagher, uh, Petrie, et cetera. All the, all these guys, they, they play the big minutes. They haven't put up any points and even the Habs defense and not in the Habs defense, but the Habs defense, not a single point in the series between any of them. So I think, Deneau's playing a not playing a bad series. He's just his he's he's shutting the Matthews line down. Oh, which is which is which is yeah. good. Which is uh, good. But, but you know, the, with the power play opportunities yeah. that uh, that Tatar gets and that Gallagher gets, and I know that Gallagher's playing injured. I know that you said that Tatar is not a playoff performer. Performer, completely agree with that. But um, right now, like I brought up Armia, you know, Armia right now is your top point producer, and I know that most of those points came in one game, but. Um, you know, when you look down the lineup, you know, the, the, it's been, it's been spread out, but it's been spread out from the, from the wrong players. You know, the players that you expect to come into play aren't showing up. And like, we need that Jeff Petrie that we saw from the start of the season. I know Weber's playing injured, but we need to see um, a little bit more offense from him. We need to see, uh, we need just, we need to see the, we need to see depth and we need to see, we need to see scoring. Like you look at the Vegas game last night. Um, there was scoring all through that lineup and it was mo, but it was mostly their five, six defense and their third pair or their third line down that, that really, that yeah, really came that to play last mark with a hat trick. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, Eric Stoll has two points that puts him second on the team in points. Yeah. yeah and he might, he might be how Eric Stoll. Yeah. yeah. He might not be the most, shouldn't even be playing. He might not be the player that we've noticed the most, <clears throat> but you know, uh, he, Corey Perry, like there's, you know, they're putting points in and they're, well, and they're doing it more lo- than the others. You're asking a lot of a Person. team that doubled its goal scoring in one game. Yeah. You, you know, th- yeah. they really yeah. need to, yeah. if they want to have any hope whatsoever, winning this game tonight and extending the series, they have to play just as good, if not better than what they did in game five. Yep. And yeah. we definitely need to see more out of Jeff Petrie who has zero points and he is the Canadians top defenseman. He is their top puck mover. He is their top minute guy. He is their top defenseman. He played a much better game in game five. He was physical. He moved the puck well, but he didn't create, he didn't score any points. What we need to see out of him is what we saw in last year's bubble where he stepped up against the penguins. We know he has it in him because he did it. Then he needs to bring that tonight. That is what's been missing. Is that little extra from all the top guys. I mean, if you if you look down the roster, Toffoli has no goals to assist. Anderson has just the one goal from game one. Uh, and it's not that Anderson's played – not that any of them played bad. It's just they're not scoring. Leafs they are finding a way to yeah. – uh, I mean, Caulfield has the one point in three games. To target one point. Weber, zero. Sherratt, or Gallagher, zero. Deneau, zero. Petrie, zero. You know, Lekkanen, zero. Uh, it's just a whole list. This team misses Jonathan Druin. This is what team this team misses because Jonathan Druin could transition the game for the for the offense, and they miss a guy like him. He's um, the type of player that can break a trap. So th- yeah. the big trap that's been going on on the Canadians against the Canadians now for the last five games, Toronto's done well. They have played their system well, and Druin's uh, 
we can we can debate his effectiveness overall, but one area of his game that works very well is he can break through a trap because he does controlled zone exits and entries well. In the neutral zone, he's one of the better players that the Canadians and, have. And I, I think him lined up with Suzuki and Caulfield, you have yourself an offensive line. You have a line that's going to break through the defense and get you score high scoring chance. Cockney, or Caulfield, I think, Blaine, you said in the first game, had an 80% uh, XGF. Um, yeah, it was over 80%, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's incredible. And I believe on all three games, he's been over 60%. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, and if I will admit, Ducharme's playing that line. They are the top minute getting line on the ice. So they, it's not like he's not playing them, but uh, I don't know. He, he hasn't line, he hasn't even put out the best Montreal team yet. He has not put out the best lineup that he has yet. And by saying that, Jake Evans and Alexander Romanov, I think, should play tonight and they need to play tonight for this team's. Uh, to uh, propel forward because they'll, I don't they'll think bring, they will but I think yeah, they should because those two players will bring exactly what the Canadians need yeah. to push the Leafs they bring speed and they bring defensive awareness they can also generate offense in transition Lyle's, Lyle said it at the, uh, the beginning of the show if you need a player who can hit make an excellent first pass defend well and get pucks on net. Why are you sitting him? That's Alexander Romanov. That's his entire game. Yes, he's going to make a couple of mistakes, but let's look at this lineup throughout this series. Where in this lineup has anyone played error-free hockey? Caulfield. <laughs> okay. No, but you're anyone this- that would take his spot. Especially on the defense, Merle and Gustafson. If, if Ducharme thinks he's going to win with Merle and Gustafson and not Romanov, then Ducharme is not a head coach in the NHL. I'm, I'm take, sorry. Sure, Gustafson out. Put uh, put him in. Yeah. Or if you want more offense, why don't you put Gustafson and Romanov in? Hello. Or Merle's Kulak. not going to. Or Kulak and Romanov. Kulak and Romanov made a good defensive pair in the regular season. Put him in as a third pairing. I would personally split up Sherratt and Weber and have a PMD or what we have as a PMD with a stay at home guy, like I've been saying all year and what they did in game one. Um, and I would have, you know, Evanson, Petrie, Romanov, so Weber and Kulak and uh, uh, Sherratt. Or, or Romanov, Sherratt, because that pairing or, or, did well in the regular season. Or whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever. It doesn't matter. Balance uh, it out a little bit. Provide yeah. more mobility, more puck movement with a good defensive responsibility. Yeah. That's uh, Kulak and uh, Romanov do bring that in spades in comparison to Gustafson and Merrill. Yeah. And then you look up front with Evans. If Evans is available, he definitely should be back in. He was down the stretch, one of the better Montreal Canadians, bar none. And if you want to talk about taking guys out, and I hate to say this, but um, take out Tatar. I don't know. You could take out anyone. Tatar, you could take out Byron if you want to. I mean, Byron hasn't played great. He hasn't played terrible, but he hasn't. He had that one game-winning goal. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't take out Eric Stahl. I don't think Eric Stahl's had a bad playoffs. I, I would keep Eric Stahl in. I, I wouldn't I, touch I that line. what he's doing on that fourth line, him – I wouldn't touch that line either. 
But I would that, take Tataro, put Evans effective. in, and have him play the wing. That, that's what I would do. That last game, yeah. that line was Evans extremely playing the wing. effective. Yeah. And I have no issue with that uh, line of uh, Perry, Stahl, and uh, was it Ant, Ant, Armia? Perry, Stahl, and Armia. The other, moved up the other the, part to bringing these guys back into the lineup is they're in Montreal. They have the last change. There is literally no excuse yeah. for not bringing him in now. Romanov, that is. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you're absolutely right. And I mean, I haven't seen the lineup changes yet from this morning. Well, as we record... I, they just went on uh, the ice at 11, so our time, so 10... Eastern. They're about to get um, on the ice. It's a 10:30 Eastern yeah. time, so they're about to step on the yeah. ice as we're recording. Um, the lineup, uh, the the expected lineup, is going to be let kind of slip, probably in about mm, two hours' time uh, as we're recording. It's 11 o'clock, 11 11 a.m. Atlantic time, so probably around lunchtime Eastern. We're going to have yeah. a good idea of what's going to be out there. We're yeah, just our making good... our assumptions based on previous movements and yeah. uh, our expectations from Dom Ducharme. And I'm not expecting much. I fully expect him to stay with the lineup he has, which I think would be a mistake. I think he's going to stay with the lineup he had in the last win. I think Gustafin and Merle will both come in on the third line and he's going to play Gustafin. Basically what he did with Gustafin and Merle the last time is just they didn't really play together that often. He paired them off with other defensemen and depending on the situation, depending on who he put out or who he didn't put out. Um, I don't mind that idea, but in the end, you got to, with Kulak and Romanoff, you don't have to try to pair them with someone up to help their game. You can just put them out and say, all right, boys, you're the third pair, go. And, uh, you know, if he wants the PK to change, push Sherratt and Weber together on the PK. Perfect. That doesn't bother me at all. Edmondson and Petrie, Wolf Sherratt and Weber on the PK, you know, Romanov and Sherratt and Kulak and Weber on a regular five on five. Good enough. You can even try Romanov on the power play. I mean, his ability to get pucks on net, the way, the way Campbell kicks out rebounds, I think that would fit really well. He's, he may not score on his shot, but the puck will get there. Campbell will give up a rebound. If you have people that are actually in front of the net, which has been a, a downfall for the Canadians for the majority of this, uh, this series game five, they, they did it fairly well in comparison to the rest of the series. If they have someone in front of the net, that shot gets on Campbell, Campbell kicks the rebound out. There's a scoring chance. You don't have to have a blistering slap shot to get offense going on a power play. Nope. But you however, you it. do have to have players going to the net. And that's another thing that they don't have on the power play. If you're going to use Romanov on the power play to do that, then you got to put Gallagher and Perry or whoever that slot and that, and that, uh, and that Anderson, anyone going to the net, anyone anyone going to the net and uh, to pick up that rebound. And I, I mean, if they, if they play like they did in the first period last night, they were going to the net, they were creating traffic. They were creating offense. They were, if they play like that for a full 60, there's no reason why they should lose. None. However, they don't play it for a full 60 and you get what you had last game. Now, before the series began, I had the Canadians losing to the Leafs in seven games. And it's that's still a very good possibility. But they got to win tonight. Yeah. And I'm not saying that so that they can make my prediction correct. 
I want to see the Canadians win tonight to give a reward to the fans that are there. Fans have waited 15, almost 15 months to be in the arena cheering on their team. Now, I know there's going to be people in Toronto, our new Leaf followers. Hi, guys. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. We appreciate all the trolling. We love you too. But uh, I know there's going to be some of them that are going to complain that, well, it's unfair that Montreal has fans and Toronto doesn't. It's some kind of unfair advantage. And to that, I say, I blame Doug Ford. Each province has yeah. its own. Each province has its own regulations. Quebec, thankfully, is able to progress to the point where they're allowing eleven percent capacity at the Bell Center. It may be an it may be a, an advantage to the Canadians. Which I'm kind of hoping it is. I'm hoping that's enough to kind of spark something because. Toffoli's article in the Player Tribune talked about wanting to come to Montreal to play in front of those rabid fans during the playoffs. He's going to get he's going to get something close to that atmosphere now. So maybe this jump starts the Canadians a little bit. Maybe it's going to go one of two ways, and you mentioned it already. If the Leafs get ahead early, it's going to go dead quiet, and it's going to work against the Habs. Yeah. If the Habs get ahead early, it's going to ignite the atmosphere, ignite the team. And uh, so the first 10 minutes of this hockey game is going to dictate how this hockey hockey game is going to go, in my opinion. So I think that the Habs have an extra motivation with fans. And in then in the, I don't think it's a burden. I think it's more of a motivation with fans in the, in the arena. I just read a thing here. Uh, Friedman and them were talking about how it's uh, it could be a hindrance for Montreal. Uh and of course, I lost it. But uh, Sportsnet, oh, here it is. Sportsnet, uh, there'd be more pressure on the Habs due to fans being in the building. And Toronto has something to look forward to because Tavares is skating and could play in game seven. If that's not the most Leaf centric reporting, 100%. It, it's 100%. a downfall for a team to have its own fans. Yeah, they're saying it could be, it could be, you know, affect the Habs negatively because they're under pressure playing in front of their fans. Would you say that? If it's Montreal going into Toronto and Toronto is able to get 2,500 fans to a game, would they be saying they that at that point? That. No, they'd be bowing they down and they'd be, they probably, they probably put a reporter in front of every fan and ask, ask them what they thought of Austin Matthew. That was it, from Friedman, Bieska and Rudy. That's what they were talking about. That is such horse shit. If a team has its own fans coming into a game and you're the underdog and you have fans in the stands, that is not a detriment. If it was, if this, if the script was flipped and Montreal was the massive favorites going into Toronto and Toronto had its fans showing up, they would, that would be touted as a huge advantage, you know, go for it, you know, blah, blah, blah. This is the kind of crap that you keep pointing out coming out of Toronto. This is why people are disenchanted with the, national quote-unquote coverage coming out of Sportsnet. Now, we love Eric Engels, clearly. And Friedman is normally, like, one. he is one of the best. But that... that no, it doesn't idea, say Friedman said that. It no, just no. says in their three talking, 
that so was, was so i watched this out. last night as i watched the it was this was during the vegas game um yeah. the only thing that they said positive about the canadians last night or possibly positive about the canadians is that they might have some sort of energy and i think that was what david amber said other than that it was john Tavares. um this could be a negative this could be a negative john Tavares, austin matthews go leafs go I don't think it's going to help, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And it was, it was, yeah, it was, yeah. For, 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 for them to be winning for, for Vegas to be winning game seven and them just to be like, let's talk about the Leafs. I think it was a little bit much, but. Which again, points to national coverage. Yeah. I come no one's talking about Winnipeg still talking about how Winnipeg destroyed Edmonton Yeah, with virtually no defense. Held McDavid almost pointless for four games. Virtually, they have no defense. Their defense is terrible. But they Yet held they, McDavid and Drysaddle. But all they held McDavid and Drysaddle. Right. And I mean, granted, Hellybuck with they have Hellybuck, but still, but still, my my point is that should be the talk, even though the series is over. That's something they should still be talking about. And no one's talking about the fact that if Winnipeg can shut down Drysaddle and McDavid. And Montreal can shut down Marner and Matthews. Well, let's let's be honest. Everybody in the playoffs shuts down Marner. But um, then why can't Winnipeg? It's true. That's true. And Hellebuck yeah. played lights out. He played phenomenal. They have That's looking goal. ahead to uh, a possibility that Toronto wins. I right mean, Winnipeg now, won't be able to beat have... Montreal. But he <laughs> <laughs> certainly can beat the Leafs. And that's that's just the thing. That's my that's my biggest complaint with the coverage. Why aren't they covering all the other teams in Canada? Like your Canadian cup, co- your Canadian company cover all of them. If it's a Toronto game that night, which usually sure. it is on Sportsnet on Saturday, yeah, sure, cover Toronto. Talk about Toronto, but also talk about I don't know the team they're playing, like Edmonton or Winnipeg or Vancouver or Montreal or Ottawa. Pretty sure there's two teams in Ontario. You'd think, um, but yeah, but this is, but uh, back to the whole fans in the stands being a detriment. When has that ever been a talking point for any, uh, any coverage anywhere in any sport? Oh crap. Our fans are here. We're, this is going to suck. Like, come on. Can can we not have fans, please? Can we, can we just uh, send them away? Make them watch. Having our fans in the stands. Like you hear this from the, uh, from players all the time. Having our fans in the stands really hurt us. We don't need that extra support. We hate having people there cheering us on. It is really a detriment. Too much pressure. Too much pressure on us to to play. I didn't see the segment, so I'm not going to point fingers at anyone. I'm gonna. I'm just going to repeat that Friedman is normally one of the best in the business. But if this was the the end, the the major talking point that they were discussing. Why didn't anyone just reach out and slap each other on this? Because especially Rudy, he played in the NHL. He should yeah, know better. But Rudy's a little bit of a. Closet, I like Kelly. Closet, closet Lee fan. No, I don't think he's a closet Lee fan. He's. I don't mind Kelly Rudy either, but I do find he. I truly believe the sports staff people have a script. I think Sportsnet comes out and says, you must talk about this, 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 and this in a positive way. This conspiracy, I'm tired of hearing it. It's not like the people who own Sportsnet also own the Leafs. (laughs) Oh, shit, wait. They do. (laughs) 
They do. And, and this is my point. And I'm, I, I, we've been fueling this conspiracy for a few days now. And yep. I'm probably one of the top people because I'm tired of it. I'm tired. I'm an English, I'm an English speaking Canadians fan. For me to watch TV, I would be like, uh, what I'm trying to do is sync my TV with Dan Roberts and TSN 690. <laughs> it's not working very well. But uh, I, I watch sports and I just, I, I don't enjoy the game. I can't enjoy the game. I can't enjoy the, the the intermissions because it's all Leafs. All they talk about is Leafs. They got uh, Ron McLean, who I don't even know why he still has a job. They got uh, Bieska. They got uh, uh, the girl's name. I forget her name now. Uh, Jennifer Botterill. Jennifer Botterill. They got, uh, uh, you know, they got their, their former – NHLers and that and all they talk about they say all right well yeah Montreal did they don't get me wrong it's not they don't talk about Montreal but Montreal did this much other that but Matthews Marner Riley Campbell blah 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 and it's just like shut up like just I don't want to hear it anymore like you know and none of their the entire panel none of them have anything educational or anything worth listening to none of them all right We've That's we've banged that drum quite a bit. Um, the new Trag Wilson site Steve Dangle Hab show will start on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, that was Trag Wilson's Steve Dangle impersonation. He has to get now, closer to the camera, though. <laughs> yeah, and scream. Yeah. You got to scream more. If you do that, maybe Sportsnet will hire you on to. Uh, no, yeah. I just bash them. <laughs> um, now, Matt. You uh, you've been absent from the show for a little while. We understand because uh, because you you don't we drag you down. I get it. (laughs) Uh, Before we go, because it's about that time. Do you have anything to say about tonight's game? I'm just hoping for a uh, is you know I I have missed the last three games due to uh, we'll call them operational commitments. Um, and if you guys uh, obviously follow me on Twitter, you've seen uh, some of the work that my squadron's been doing the last uh, last little while. Um, so you can, you know, excuse my absence. Um, I'm just hoping for uh, I'm just hoping for a um, a, a, a team that's going to come out with energy, and I'm hoping that these fans are going to be able to spark players that we brought in as playoff performers or, or guys that play with energy. And I, I'm really hoping for big games out of guys like Josh Anderson and uh, and Toffoli and um, the the defense comes to play and um, it isn't one sided for one team and uh, you know the Canadians can can push this to Game Seven and let's let's really make something uh, that these fans can cheer about. All right, um, Trag, last thought. I spoke enough. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> And before we go, I want to take this moment to uh, pass on to our American siblings in arms. Uh, a thank you. Thank you for your service and thank you for your sacrifice on this Memorial Weekend, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, as members of the Canadian Armed Forces, the three of us understand what it takes to serve in the military. And our allies down in the United States, we work with you closely and we appreciate everything you've done. Uh, we help you. You help us. We are a team. We are allies. We are, we are all siblings in arms. So thank you for your sacrifice and your service on this Memorial Day weekend. And with that, I want to also thank everyone who has listened to us. Uh, old and new listeners, we welcome them all. 
we, we love having you, interacting with you. Uh, the more of you, the better. Uh, please be sure to use our promo code unfiltered20 at builtbar.com to save 10% off your purchase. And the same promo code unfiltered20 gets you 20% off at East Coast Lifestyle. And remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. Successful companies find unconventional answers. That's why Zamboni Keepers is your source for wins. When you need someone to hold down your fort, when your normal goalie is out injured, we have the answer for you. Call 1-800-BONY-DRIVER. We have a Zamboni driver available in a rink near you, ready to play nets. For only the cost of a team jersey, our Zamboni experts will be able to face your league's most expensive and nationally overhyped offensive players and provide your team the chance to win. Call 1-800-BONY-DRIVER and win. Did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. Had all, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.